0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby!
1: Chance for W D D. Yes. His comments. Derby. Hello, thanks for joining us on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. The nights are drawing in, injuries are starting to bite, and none of us have even started Christmas shopping. But there's still a proverbial sackload of Rams' reaction to get through in episode 69. I'm your host, Chris Parsons, and joining me, as usual, are the Kevin Paul and Dean Holdsworth of the podcasting world, as Richard and Tom, you're right.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you. Very flattered, very flattered. Yeah, delighted. I it's won't be really you who
1: just make it up for yourselves from amongst those two Derby County uh, legends. Kurt, you've uh, you got the round in this time. What are we drinking?
2: Uh, we're starting off with a, uh, well, I think probably just a one bottle of uh, Rioja. I mean, it's, it's a Monday night, I mean, <laughs> not sure what your plans are later, but
1: well, we're it's gonna, gonna. it's going to be a wild FA Cup draw.
2: Yes, exactly, FA Cup <laughs> draw to celebrate, and the Euro 2020 draw to celebrate, and a few of us have got tickets, all three of us have got tickets to the Euro 2020, so uh, very exciting.
1: We yeah. have, but this isn't the uh, England v. Czech Republic podcast, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, yes, so yes. it
0: could be the England-Croatia podcast, though, so get in. It could, but it isn't. <laughs> um,
2: what's that washing down? Haggis. <laughs> you made some haggis. Well, make, make is a strong term. Brilliant. Uh, I bought some uh, of McSween's haggis from Tesco, um, from uh, Waitrose, sorry, and uh, we'll be having that with some uh, sort of neats and tatties as well.
1: Other Scottish delicacies are available. Speaking of booze, Steve Bloomer's washing, as you all know, is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. Tom in the tap for the QPR game and had a lovely old time. So, uh, do check them out. <sighs> What's going on, though, gents? Uh, different lineups, different formations, different results since we last spoke. Uh, the won the win over Preston, and now traditional 3-0 defeat in London uh, in the week at Craven Cottage, and a pretty lackluster 1-0 draw at home to QPR most recently. And we, we're we're taking a long. Perfectly well at home, um, but still completely toothless, goalless, and pointless away from home. It's now five wins and a draw in our last six at Pride Park, but four defeats and a draw in our last five on the road. Uh, which which set of results do you think really reflects where we are as a team this season? If any does,
2: yeah, I don't. I don't think one set. Does I don't think we're bad. I don't think we're as bad as losing five on the trot or whatever away, and we're probably not good enough to have won so many games at home either. If if we're honest, I think the worrying thing, as with any run, sometimes like when you're going through a phase of drawing lots of games, it can kind of go one of two ways. You either start getting rubber to green or start upping your performances and turn those draws into wins, or it goes the other way and you start losing. It becomes a worry, and I think the the home the the contrasting uh, quality of the home and away form was always going to be a problem if it went the wrong way because if you suddenly cut if you suddenly don't pick up your your traditional home win then your your away losses are a lot more a lot worse so to to miss out on three points at home this weekend suddenly everyone forgets about one of our best performances of the season the week before and everyone's thinking, you know, we got thrashed again away and now we're not even winning home games. And it's just, uh, it, it it just doesn't look, doesn't look good.
0: I think the, uh, the difficulty for us being away from home is that we're not difficult to break down. Fulham, they scored three goals and they were comfortably better than us, but they didn't create a whole host of really good clear-cut chances. They had chances and they had balls in the box, but it was just easy. It was way too easy. And it was the same at Hull uh, at the back end of last month, once they took the lead, that Derby was second best and comfortably second best there wasn't that determination to stay in the game I mean let's let's not bundle those two games together too easily because
1: I think the point I was going to make is that if you look at the games we've lost away Forest was really tight settled by a mistake Hull was in the balance till the last 20 minutes it wasn't I mean Fulham were basically starting to it was too easy for Fulham from the outset in the week but Hull was really tight we had chances it could have gone either way I get what you're saying about the fact that once they did score, we didn't look like we were going to get back into it. But I think Fulham was a different kettle of fish. And what I'm saying is not all, not
0: all the away defeats were equal blanket awful. Do you know but, what I mean? No, I understand. Sorry, coach, I understand what you're saying. But I'm saying that my point from the Derby performances away from home is that we've been too easy to, to break down and too easy for, to give away like simple chances to, to sides. They haven't had to work too hard to create those chances. Even against Hull, when we did play well, I thought... Um, we still create uh, they still create a lot of chances and opportunities against us of our own making when we've been at home recently we've been a lot tighter and a lot sort of uh, stronger at the back and controlling matches yeah yeah I think so and I do think that's a that's a worry as soon as we go 1-0 down away from home we don't really look like scoring and even against Forest where again I thought we played okay there was, there was hope rather than an expectancy that would even create a chance
1: so what this comes down to sort of an extension of what I asked you before really 14th in the championship after 19 games do you think that the recent results shows that we are an ordinary team at our level we are where we deserve to be or are we a decent team who are underperforming or are playing below our level because of certain players being out of form and certain injuries I think is there more to come?
2: There's definitely more to come. I think we are underperforming for sure. I think there are players in that team who are underperforming, and and Koku isn't getting the best out of players at the moment. I think I think you can point to uh, some really and not apart from Keo aside. You know, no major major like month 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 long injuries. Maybe Clark. We don't really know what's going on with Clark, to be honest. But. You know we've got lots of in. We keep having like two, three week injuries, which are interrupting Cocky's ability to play a consistent team midfield, particularly. You know we just we just suddenly found, you know, Bielik was doing well, was definitely getting better, and Shinny was definitely getting better, and then starting to lose both of those has really, I think, put uh, a, and put a hole in that middle where we just found like a combination and probably alongside Holmes with them. And I think that's what's making... That's not helping Koku. And I know he's taking a lot of stick at the moment for changing it too much, but he's had no option but to change it.
1: Yeah, I don't think Koku wants to have to replace his goalie half through the season or replace his first-choice centre-back or his two first-choice holding midfielders. Yeah. But... That's what he's had to do
0: for one reason or another. How often does a do a team lose a player in the warm up? It, it doesn't happen once a year for for a side, and it's happened to us. And we've also had like unlucky injuries, and I know if we go back to sort of Keo as the example, like just out of the ordinary sort of experiences for as a football club, which have caused injuries and caused like turmoil and disruption. Even going back to to August, Jaden Bogle was by far and away the best player in the first two or three games. As soon as he gets injured against Swansea, we suddenly lack balance. Lowe comes in and does well at right back, but he's the left back, and you can tell that. And he's not. I don't think Bogle's really found his form since. So the injuries have had a massive impact on this derby season, regardless of whether they've been for two or three games or five or six games. And we are struggling to put put that first first choice eleven out there, and that's having an impact on where we are. I mean, the second there
1: was was Balic against QBR, because. Fulham was awful, but he was one of the shining lights from that performance. He looked like he was trying to carry the team on his own at times, and to lose him in that warm up, especially in previous parts where we've said he's he gives it away too cheaply, he's um, he hasn't justified the fee yet. Last few games, he's uh, he's really started he's really started to kick on. So then to lose him in the warm up of a game that we're really hoping to win after Fulham was um, the last thing we
2: needed. I know there's lots of questions and criticism of Koku trying out a new formation on, on Saturday. We don't know what that would have looked like or how it would have worked if Bielek had been in there. Bielek may well have been a very central person in that formation as some kind of pivot at the bottom of the midfield or even as a third centre. We don't know what formation he was going to be going with when Bielek was there. So to, George Evans isn't the same kind of player. They roughly occupy the same position but they're very different players with different characteristics. So I feel like that probably put paid to whatever master plan Koku thought he had on, on Saturday
1: time you were there against QPR uh, that one uh, or draw. A much flatter performance, I think it has to be said, which came in part from those changes in personnel, the unfamiliarity of the team shape. I feel maybe the third game in a week was a, a factor. Maybe we just we were just a bit cold. I don't know. It was quite cold. Was it a fair result for you? And more importantly, can you actually explain what formation
0: we started and finished the game with? I'm just thawing out my jaw still, Chris. From Saturday, it was that cold at Pride Park. Um, yeah, I think it was a fair result. I think QPR were fairly, fairly ordinary, to be honest. But um, Eze or Eze on the left wing looked quite lively. Um, and I thought Wisdom uh, kept him very quiet. But he still still was a danger and obviously scored their penalty. In terms of formation, like when I saw it, when I was in the pub, uh, as you mentioned, enjoying a, a nice pint uh, in the brewery tap, I was, I was like, oh, this sounds like five-three-two, something we discussed before in the pod, and I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be it with the little uh, sort of three centre backs, and then uh, of wisdom dropping into centre back, and then Bogle right wing back, and Malone left wing back. Then we got there, um, wasn't quite sure. It looked like a four-two-three-one at times with Bogle as a right winger, uh, and then also it looked like a four-three-three three at times um, with uh, Holmes and uh, Evans. Uh, and Bogle in central midfield, I, I genuinely in that first half couldn't work it out. And it was so frustrating in the first half because Bogle didn't know what he was doing. As in, like, do I get wide or do I cut, come in? And the amount of times the ball went to wisdom and he didn't have an option inside of him and he didn't have an option line, so he had to go backwards. And he went back to Curtis Davis, who his passing on Saturday was awful so it's it, not his strength though is it well, like, it's, not, it's no. not necessarily his fault but there's something wrong with that formation and how we were set up and I'm not sure what it was I, I couldn't tell you from watching that um, that game and I had a pretty good view I was on the halfway line uh, just to the or just to the right of the halfway line in the west end that if I can't tell what formation and what shape we're playing um, and it did change and was tweaked a number of times through the game but we, I we, we, you...
1: am I right in thinking we started with what looked like three at the back and then tweaked it about fifteen minutes in, I've but, got I mean, no idea. if you Chris. can't really say for certain what the formation was at the end, I don't think that really reflects <laughs> well on
0: uh, on us as a team and our and our general shape. I said to Anton halfway through the game, I was like, Bogle needs to be wider. So when Wisdom gets the ball, he can play him down line. So then someone like Lawrence or Holmes could then tuck into the middle to have the to receive the ball after home. Uh, sorry, after Bogle gets the ball uh, down the line from Wisdom, that didn't happen in the first half. In the second half, it did happen a lot more, and Bogle. Bogle held a wider position. So whether Bogle was playing right winger, right centre midfielder or right wing back, I still haven't worked it out because it changed right the way through the game. Bogle didn't have a, a bad game. He didn't make any mistakes, but he just was a bit anonymous because he didn't really know what he was doing. That was quite a
1: talking point for uh, for us and something we've spoken about ourselves before in a previous episode. Should Jaden Bogle play further forward, the justification for it might be that I feel... His best attributes are attacking ones: uh, quick feet, great crosser, can get to the byline, links up well with other midfielders, uh, and that was part of the change that was made on Saturday. It looked like it was a four-two-three-one at times, with Bogle in that advanced position. Um, for me, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm I don't think it's a it's a disaster. I know Kurt, weren't necessarily a fan, but we put it out to um, the Steve Bloomers was washing. Twitter followers um, just one one question really where should Jane and Bogle play in this team the options being A right back in a back four B right wing back in a back three slash back five or C right wing in front of the back four as he appeared to be at the weekend clearly I'm in a minority because granted it was a small survey sample but uh, 62% said right back in a back four yeah 30 (laughs) yeah i agree uh 32 percent said right wing back in a five and uh, just six percent said right wing in front of the back four was that just you chris that That was was just me 12 times
0: (laughs) i mean i didn't vote in that poll so i'm adding to the 62 percent
1: what i would say what i would say about him looking lost and not having a great shape is that he's learning a new position he might be having to curb his natural defensive
2: instincts. But didn't he play didn't he play right wing in the academy? Wasn't he originally young younger down? I think he started off as a as a right winger in the
1: In the first team. Okay. This is a hill I'm gonna die on. I'm <laughs> determined to stand by this. What, what do you reckon, coach?
2: Well, I stand by my original comments. I think they've been proved correct. Um, no, uh, I think my original point still stands, which is actually you get a lot more space uh, and a lot more potential, I think, to unleash your attacking skills as a right back in the, in the modern game. If you're playing much further forward, you know, no one plays four four two anymore. Koku's not going to play four four two, So he's not going to play a right winger. He's either going to be a right wing back, which I'd be comfortable with because there's no one in front of him taking his space always gonna play in the in like the right of a three, like a, a four two three one or something or four three three. That's what I meant in the poll.
1: I wasn't envisaging yeah. being a right side midfielder in a diamond or, yeah. or a wide man but, in the four.
2: But even then I just think you cut out you are starting so far forward you're kind of cutting out that that the ability to carry the ball and to be a threat from deep. I just think that's the most important part of a right back and, and you see it so many times. As we said, the most some of the most effective attacking plays, look at Alexander Arnold, you think of uh, going back to even to Trippier in the World Cup. Trippier, like, yeah, Trippier in the World Cup is another good example. He's it, it, coming from the right-hand side and they has got so much space to run into. I just, I just wouldn't muck about with him. He's so good as a right-back. Why would you... He, he's not doing anything currently which is bad as a right-back. I think his defensiveness, it's that defensive abilities have got a lot stronger this year. The,
0: the conundrum that Koku has is that we actually have a, a pretty good backup right-back in Andre Wisdom who came in for his first start this season. And for me, Holmes got man of the match... Um, on saturday but for me wisdom was man the match i thought it was excellent uh made lots of good tackles was strong positive was wanting and looked interested in keeping hold of possession of the football and so if you've got two players who are pretty decent and we've already alluded to the fact that we're a bit short in other positions how are we going to try and shoehorn them in do we try and get bogle a little bit further forward because he might be more effective than wisdom in that position like yeah, I, think, I don't disagree with that and that's the difficulty he's got.
2: That's why I still think I still think although I've liked four four two Diamond, I've I've really liked the idea of of finding a way to a three five two with Bogos as a right wing back. Very happy to see Bogos as a right wing back with wisdom as the right sided centre back. Yeah. I think that's a good option. Or if you're gonna stick with a back four, you just say wisdom and if you've got to battle it out to partner Davis.
0: And it's interesting though, as as I said when I was in the pub, um, I thought it was gonna be a five, three, two with that precise yeah, thing with yeah. the wing back we're looking at that team sheet and I thought that that makes sense and then in the we're, back three no Belic, Forsyth oh, Davis sorry. and then sorry not Belic, Wisdom. Wisdom Forsyth yeah. Davis um, Bogle on the right Malone on the left and then in front Belic sitting and then sort of Holmes Lawrence just to, just ahead and Waghorn Marriott up top and that's what it sort of felt like for me because Bielik generally sitting but also being able to to play the ball left and right and also forward and to drive forward as well Of course, I can carry out um, at the back yeah that that and that could have worked that's, that's and Evans could have played that role but I don't think Evans can because he hasn't got the same range of passing and he hasn't got the, the pick up and drive uh forward and Holmes I think said something interesting in this post-match that Evans took a knock in the first sort of five minutes and I think he couldn't see out of his left eye I was trying I to find Evidence
1: of him saying this. I'm, yeah. I'm not disputing that it happened. But uh, yeah, if it did that's the, man the case, on Twitter, then you
0: but... can't judge Evans too harshly. Well, he should but... have been taken off if that was the case. Yeah, but what my point is, my point still stands. Regardless of whether he did that, that was the case. He's not the sort of player to pick the ball up and drive 20 metres and then ping a left... Uh, a ball out to the left wing or the right wing that's that's Bielik Evans is a get the ball or who am I going to pass to I'm going to pass to someone a bit better it's more of a creative. Carrick-esque sort of a sitting uh, deep midfielder uh, in in my
1: eyes further forward it's not going great really Gold of the Month is going to be fun later uh, <laughs> so slim pickings there but Martin Waghorn he, he got the goal great free kick Mm. looks like Wayne Rooney really might have a bit of competition for uh, for for set pieces. Well, I
2: did I did think I did think that maybe he'd been working with with Wayne Rooney on a training round on that one because it was classic.
1: But overall, I'm finding Waggy just really frustrating at the moment. He's he has got a good finish in, him. he's he's good in the air, he's physical, he links up well, but I mean against Preston he missed two great two really good chances. I wouldn't say they were genuine sitters, but Played through by Bielic for one, uh, took it a bit early. I think he's got to be doing better there. And another one-on-one where the keeper came out and spread himself and, and narrowed the angle. But I think he's got to be tucking at least one of those away. Against Fulham, very little work for him and the ball was bouncing off him a lot. Got the goal against uh, against QPR. and Well, got the goal against Preston, which he sort of just bundled in. A Curtis Davis, head of him a corner. But I think he's got six for the season. But when he factor in those missed penalties and the chances he's missed. Do you think it's unfair to say he should easily be in double figures?
2: Yeah, he, he, he probably should be. Particularly, he's had two penalties there, and, and he's had some good, some good missed chances. And you know what? If he had been in double figures, he'd probably be more consistently starting up front, and probably even have more goals and more confidence off the back of it. Um, I think he's probably been a bit, and it's not making excuses for him, but he's probably been a little bit of a victim of... His own versatility at times, and you know, Koku changing shape. But often, if he's if we're changing shape, Waghorn's the first striker who's going to be moved out wide potentially. Um, so he hasn't really had a consistent like a lot of the players hasn't really had a consistent position in the team. I think I think it's frustrating because you look at Martin Marriott, Waghorn, and you could even chuck Lawrence into that mix to a degree. They've got such different attributes for forward players. That there is definitely a combination in there somewhere. I think we're all excited by, you know, in theory, the idea of Chris Martin and and Jack Marriott should be should be beautiful. Hasn't really happened yet, and and Wagorn is kind of a a mixture of those, uh, kind of something in between those two players, isn't he? So I just don't think uh, he knows or Koku knows what's what his exact role is in this team, but I don't think he's he's alone in that uh, necessarily.
0: I do think that Waghorn was struggling. Uh, I didn't think he had a great game on Saturday. Um, as you say, Chris, a lot of things just bounced off him. He was pretty anonymous and he did score a great goal. Um, fantastic free kick, but still his link-up play was poor um, and he didn't get close enough to Marriott to provide Marriott any support when the ball went forward. Gave and, away the pen as well. Yeah, gave away the penalty and it ended up with it just looking really disjointed when we went forward and f- he, he was he was poor. Not as poor perhaps as Lawrence, but he was poor.
1: Not the only Derby forward who is struggling, let's be honest, we can't by any means pin the blame on the, on Martin Wagon solely in the the, the goal drought that's happening at the moment. I mean, Jack Marriott had seven in 17 at this time last season, but currently has one in 16 appearances mm. in nineteen twenty. Although granted, some of his appearances have come off the bench. Mr. Decent Chance gets QPR. That's uh, that Lawrence corner that has pulled back to him on the edge. Um, I think he's got to be getting that on target, but it looked like it t- took a bit of a bounce before he hit it and he just ended up smashing it over the bar. Um, but... What's going wrong for him, Tom, do you think?
0: Yeah, just on that chance, I thought it was a, it was It would have been great technique to score that. And he hit it cleanly, but just a bit too cleanly. Um, interestingly, with Marriott, he was feeding on scraps in the first half. Uh, and in the second half, he had two runs in behind the defence. One was down the right, and then one was through the middle towards the, the latter part of the game. And that's it. And Marriott is the kind of player that, that loves to run in behind a defender and be slipped through with a slide rule pass. Just think about that Leeds game at Ellen Road last year, that's that's classic Jack Marriott. That's where he thrives. He doesn't thrive in the big build-up play and like pinging the ball in from sort of 30 yards. He's a, in the penalty area, get the ball, turn, shoot. Bristol City this year, for example, his only goal, what a fantastic finish. And if we're not getting the ball up to the penalty area and sustaining pressure, or we're not allowing him to, uh, feeding him when he makes the runs off the centre-backs, then he's going to stop making those runs because he's going to get fed up of doing it. And I just think my style of play is a bit too slow for him. Uh, and I think he lacks a bit of support, and he's a a
2: willing runner, um, but he looks a bit Would not disinterested help. at the moment. Would it not help if he was consistently available to be selected though, and consistently fit to be selected and put in the team regularly? Like he, for whatever reason, he doesn't make himself available on a, on a regular basis, or managers don't feel it possible to play him on a regular basis consistently. To two successful managers you could say have now had serious question marks over his availability and whether he can play consistently that's just not helping that's just not helping the situation and it doesn't and obviously his fitness is a worry but I do think that
0: if we're going to play with Marriott up front as a a lone striker and I'd like to see him in a two with with either Martin or Waghorn to allow the other to hold him up but if we are going to play and we've got to then play to his strength we can't just pump the ball forward and we just play way too slowly it's so predictable and there's not enough movement in the middle there's not enough movement up uh, up front and that includes Marriott but I can see Marriott getting frustrated like he, the amount of times he made runs in behind and the ball didn't go to him it went sideways or it went backwards and you're like okay eventually he's going to get bored and fed up of doing that and Marriott is the sort of person who thrives on that quick ball forward uh, or the ball in behind because we've we've turned the defence or turned the midfield uh, and we're making them backtrack and that's the kind of player he is and if we don't play like that he's not going to score goals Marriott is doing most of his work between the sort of, you know, twenty-five to fifty yards out from goal. It it's does drop far. deep a lot, doesn't
1: he? From, from you know, he's looking from,
2: for the ball, and that's a sign of frustration. Isn't yeah, it? you think you think back to the days of, you know, Wayne Rooney getting frustrated in England shirt, or Harry Kane even at Euro, what was the last Euros, twenty sixteen, yeah, uh, uh, twenty sixteen, where he came back to the halfway and getting the ball. It's like you don't want strikers there, and that's a sign of a striker looking to get involved, even when it's not necessary.
1: And part of it is the fact that we are sort of a counter-attacking team. So I guess maybe that feeds into it.
2: And How many goals have we actually scored, though, like flying forward in the counter? I don't
0: think we yes. are that oh, counter no. I three.
2: We're too, we're too,
0: we're too slow. <laughs> we're, too, we're too slow with the ball, yeah. and the ball will start to go forward. But then like there's no one there to support. So if Marriott does get the ball, and he made like one intelligent run, and he didn't have a great game on Saturday, down the right, right wing and put in a good cross, the only person anywhere near the ball at that point was Tom Lawrence. Holmes was sort of 30 yards out. That was it. I mean, he's, he's targeting no one, and it shouldn't be... It shouldn't have been Marriott putting the ball in. It should have been Bogle, because he was out on the right, or Wisdom. And Marriott should have been in the box. But the fact is that no one was making the run down the line. So Marriott made that run. And then Marriott looked up and was like, I've got no one to hit. So he slowed it down. And then he beat the player and then put the cost into the box. There was still no one there. Pointless. Going back to the back five, or back six, back
1: three, whatever it was. Um, because I forgot to mention this earlier. The back section. Uh, ben Hamer came in for Keller Ruse. Uh, Philip Koku deciding that it is now Hamer time. Um, who was finally dropped, in Koku's words, to protect Ruse after his bad run of form, so he can work on areas improvement, areas of improvement with Shay Given. Should he not have been doing that anyway all the time? I don't know, but um, Ruse had to have a break. I guess. I mean, he was at fault for. In part, all three of Fulham's goals. The uh, the, the first, to his credit, Forsythe is ball watching for the goal that that Reed scores from the cross. The second, I know there's a bit of conflict of opinion because he doesn't get anywhere near the ball and Mitrovic, but he is being blocked off a bit by Derby's defenders at the same time. And then the third is is that you know that that pretty terrible sloppy kick out which wasn't read by Bielik and uh, Fulham transition and it's 3-0 before you know it. Um, I thought when Hamer came in against QPR, he was pretty solid, have to say. Did what he had to. Made a couple of decent saves. The one down low from Hugo we identified was a a decent stop. Did you say it was given us a goal kick afterwards?
0: It was, yeah. So It, it, it was, was su- a great save. It was, was a really good save. It was really such funny. a good save that
1: he even persuaded
0: the referee that he didn't even touch it <laughs> he was surprised the referee that he even got to it that's a but- magic
1: of goalkeeping uh, flapped at one or two crosses I seem to remember so he's not exactly nailing down the number one spot but Tom do you think Ben Hamer's done enough
0: for you to be to, to keep the shirt against Blackburn away Uh definitely just because of Roos' recent poor form, um, there seemed to be a lot more confidence in Hamer. He dropped a, a bit of a sitter on the six-yard box, but there were players in there to to help him out and clear it out. Um, and actually, Hamer claimed two crosses out towards the penalty spot area. One was punched and one was caught. He just seemed to be a bit more in control. And there was one, in fact, in the second half, which was sort of drilled across the box into the six-yard box. And Hamer was at full stretch. And when he cleared it away, sort of it, it cleared the penalty area. Um yes, it was into the middle of the middle of the pitch, but it was a good sort of eighteen, twenty yards out from goal. So there was enough time for Derby to sort of react and, and get it away. And that's we've not been seeing that from um from Roos enough and there's been a bit of a trepidation when the ball's gone into the box. I thought we looked decent enough and I didn't think QPR were going to get anywhere near uh, scoring and that actual one save, which from QPR's one decent chance was a fantastic save. Uh so fair play to him. He's done enough for me to to take the nod. Uh, and for the penalty, which I know we haven't talked about and I don't really want to go into too much detail on, but for the penalty, he already sort of sold himself by the time that Eze stopped and then started again. I mean, you can't judge a goalkeeper's uh, longevity in the sticks off one game anyway can you
1: coach
2: so no definitely not but I think the timing's really interesting because it gives him a uh, gives Derby County a good month to have a look at him see if he's up to the job for the rest of the season uh, whether or not they're going to decide to go down a different route in January or, or wait until Christmas if if Ben Hamer's relatively solid I think they'll probably stick stick with him uh, and let him and Ruse battle out for the rest of the season uh, rather than make a decision to invest in January
1: so you mentioned uh, Christmas there we learned this afternoon that's derby have uh, canceled their christmas party shame seemed a thing to do really didn't it they're gonna they're go for a christmas meal instead isn't, a, isn't that wholesome
2: well it's it's a christmas party right still but i mean I, it feels like it shouldn't have even been a discussion um, i don't know why anyone would have even suggested uh they but they do that so i think right right decision but it's probably one of those things where it's probably a bit of a non-event in the club and uh you know, obviously uh, Ryan Conway got the scoop and turned into a story and then a fair play to him but I think it probably was never going to be on the cards I wouldn't have thought i just imagine Curtis Davis sort of
1: saying uh, sorry boss I'm, I haven't got the email about the Christmas party <laughs> yeah. yet just wondering it when outlook, it's going to be
2: Because an um, Outlook invite and it just everyone got you know, cancelled on, <laughs> on it was in everyone's diary and it just went.
0: I think a future discussion who'd be the best uh, Santa Claus in the Derby County team in the current Derby County squad Chris Martin he hasn't got the facial hair. He's in got them. the back for a sack.
1: <laughs> Don't even know where to start with that, really. Uh, one for a future episode, Christmas 2020. But uh, we'll be having a Christmas day, won't we? Or we'll be at least sharing in someone else's because we're We're off to the awards. We are, we are. We're only off to the bloody awards. Uh, we have been nominated for Club Podcast of the Year at the uh, FSA Awards, the uh, football supporters association formerly the uh, football supporters federation um where we are up against you're gonna love this podcasts by uh leeds villa fulham man city and wickham the chair boys N- narrative in that are they the chair boys chair boys are wickham aren't they i think i think so i'm good at my nicknames anyway um i think all i wanted to say is that we are genuinely grateful for everyone who uh, who listens to the pod who uh, subscribes who shares who retweets who um who tolerates so, yeah <laughs> spreads who spread the word over the past 68 and a half episodes of uh steve Lim Was washing because well, without your support it's basically us just uh talking nonsense around a table drinking and, rioca uh, and eating haggis and we do that enough already so <laughs> we're very grateful Uh, We're going to try and prove that Derby can go to London and win. Um, (laughs) So there we go. And uh, before we get into the second half, where we've got plenty more Rams discussion, don't forget to subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Hit subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just hit follow.
0: Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge.
1: Hi, I'm Paul
0: Pesky-Solido.
1: Hi, I'm Curtis Davis. And you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing now up by Morgan, here's Taylor, quickly wide for Bishkard. and
0: Bishkard's cross, and Russia! <laughs> Derby have turned the neighbours over, big time! And they have been three goals better.
1: We'll come back to the league matters in a few minutes, but uh, some breaking news, we're literally podding... Whilst the FA Cup third round draw was happening, just took a little break to see it happen. Crystal Palace away for, uh, for the Mighty Rams. Wayne Rooney's first away game at Selhurst Park for uh, Crystal Palace 3, Derby County 0, concentrating the league. <laughs> 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 How do
2: you rate chances? Palace are hot and cold this season, aren't they? Yeah, uh, and, and their home form is, is particularly poor, isn't it? Particularly cold. They They've been fantastic away from home, but at home... They've not been good. They're they're one of those clubs I'd think who we all, as outsiders outside the Premier League and neutrals, you know, you look at them and go, that's exactly the kind of team who should be putting out a strong team in the FA Cup and going to win the FA Cup because they're not going to be in a relegation battle I don't think and they've got a good squad and they've got a good manager who probably would love to win it but they probably won't they probably will put out their second string we'd have a chance is this the season for us to to have another cup run probably not we haven't really got the team to do it but as you said Wayne Rooney's first away game point to prove Tom with the uh, cup heroics of last season but the injuries
1: lack of form and lack of those players this season what sort of team do you envisage Kaku putting out for that one given we now know who we're playing
0: I mean it's still a month or so away so it's the difficult it's a very difficult question because it depends on how long players like Clark and, and Huddleston and, and Bielek are actually out for and when they might be coming back I think um, Clark should be back by then uh, Shinny <laughs> mm, maybe mm, possibly not he might be he
1: might not have minutes but and uh, Bennett the same it very Bielek much depends Bielek will be fine
0: I think mean, it very much depends for, for me in terms of how we're doing in the league if we've sort of still stuck in mid-table close to the playoffs but quite far away from the relegation zone. I think we we name our best best 11 and go to a Premier League side and say, right, on our day, what can we do? We know that there are areas of this squad to to improve on but at the same time there are some players who are pretty decent in that team so I would name the strongest possible team that we have uh, and see if we can uh, have a good go as an away day the last thing I'd want to do is go to a game away at Premier League side and
2: name a bit of a mixed bag and then get turned over five nil so uh, I think turn, it- yeah turn those threes into a six yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit gutted actually because I've, I've been to Stellar's Park a few times and living in this house, it's actually our closest football ground to us, I would have thought. It's I'll... about a
0: 35 minute walk cut.
2: Yeah, and job uh, I'll be in C so I won't be there, but I think you boys will have a good day out.
1: It could be, as we said, Wayne Rooney's first away game for Derby County. He's scheduled to start playing in January with that Barnsley game, which has been moved for TV on the 2nd. We're playing like three days after. That that's that seems crazy.
0: Um, it's a Wednesday to to Saturday.
1: Is it Wednesday? I thought it's been moved to Thursday the second. I may have got my dates wrong. Anyway, Rooney was in the dugout against QPR. Tom, you were there.
0: Uh, what was it? What was the reception like? Uh, yeah, a round of applause, a few celebrations. It was blooming cold, so everyone was getting a round of applause. Um, yeah, we got a good reception. And then in the first half, he uh, there was an injury to to a player out in the mid uh, in the middle, and uh, Rooney came and gave some instructions into. To Waghorn and a few other players, and gave some water bottles out, and then the the Derby fans then gave him a, a big cheer and a couple of a couple of chants as well. So yeah, good reception. But to be honest, I would say fairly. Oh, it's, he's a coach, isn't he? He's not playing for us just yet, so it was a nothing nothing extraordinary. But uh, but yeah, good reception. I think he's going to be um, firmly firmly in with the crowd straight away.
1: He's earning his hundred grand a week already.
0: Oh yeah, easily. Uh, those water bottles are not easy to hand out, especially on a cold day. I did, I did, I did Put wonder
1: <laughs> when I saw him being unveiled. I, I did just think, yeah, take your hands out of your pockets, Wayne. I mean, just give us a little wave, maybe just a, yeah, like a hand above the head Chris, wave.
0: Chris, you were literally in your home. With the central heating on, it was chuffing freezing. I had three layers on: a hat, a coat, um, gloves, two layers on, uh, two pairs of socks on, and I was still freezing cold. So, I mean, I don't blame him.
2: I do think, though, that considering how well known he is um, and famous he is, he's a. I, f- I still feel like Wayne Rooney is a bit of an enigma because he, yeah, he's obviously a lot more confident than that 16-year-old boy that broke through at Everton, but he he doesn't really ever give anything away in his public persona his public appearances when he's interviewed he's he's still he's quite quiet he's quite quite ums and ahs and i think that's why people still look at him and and think of like quite a uh, quite a basic bloke really but everything you hear about him uh, from people who have played of him from coaches who have coached him you know philip cock who's talked good game they say he's extremely um, intelligent on football and really interested in tactics and 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 training and and really wants to like think innovatively and they think he's an extremely clever clever guy on the football field and on the coaching field. So it's a strange one because he does have that as Tom mentioned, like hands in pockets. I kind of look at that and yeah, I, I get what you mean, Tom. Um, uh, sorry, Chris, on the on the hands in pockets thing, but that's just I think that's just who he is. That's just his persona. He's just quite laid back and
1: well, it's, it, was, it was tongue it was tongue in cheek. I just remember I remember that um documentary that he did with Gary Lineker where Gary Lineker went to his house and. Hmm talked to him loads, and I didn't really feel like I learned a huge amount about Wayne Rooney from that but what I wanted to ask you both was uh, Mark Warburton said after QPR that they used the Rooney factor doing the air quotes to in their favour they said that because of the fact it was a bit of an occasion at Pride Park with that unveiling they said that they thought there were seen as cannon fodder and they use that to turn it on its head and and uh, and get something from the game maybe a little bit of a stretch but we are we can't deny that's going to be a thing when he start when he starts playing teams are going to target us target him TV companies are going to target us and him is a huge personality and a legend in the game and teams will up their game against us because of him so how do we combat the Rooney factor I
2: think I think it works both ways I think uh I think that's true teams I was thinking about this the other day teams will definitely up their game against us they'll want to midfielders will want to put something on him you know defenders will want to put something on him they'll want to they, they will go for him they'll they'll leave stuff in and and knowing that he might want to react as well um, I think he's generally cut that out of his game, uh, and teams will up their game. The crowds will up their game. They'll give. They'll love giving Wayne Rooney loads of stick at Championship grounds all around the country. But I think he'll give our own team. He'll give our own fans a lift. I feel that it kind of ends up balancing itself out and the 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 flip side is that other teams might get distracted by the Rooney Factor by trying too hard to up their game or trying too hard to put something in on him and other players may well flourish. So Might take the pressure off I uh, think, you know
1: underperforming what? current derby players.
2: It's mean. probably going to be a standard mid-table mediocre season so a little bit of extra entertainment <laughs> and you know what next season the Rooney Factor will have pretty much worn off in that regard.
1: Oh, happy Christmas to you too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright Scrooge, yeah. Um, I do think I mean, what Warburton said there is is quite frankly bollocks because QPR were not no great shakes, and if they were, if that was them up in their game, then mm. blimey. And if it was meant to have a spark to Derby, it didn't because Derby were pretty atrocious uh, on Saturday. I mean, he he will be a, an influence on the uh, when he's had like a number of games and when he's playing for the team, but on Saturday there was there was no real relevance to him being un, unveiled, and it I can't see how it would have had an impact on on that game on Saturday to be honest hopefully he'll do well and hopefully he'll kickstart this Derby team and give it something a little bit extra but I mean we cannot we cannot rely on him and we can't hope that the Rooney factor is going to suddenly kickstart our season and we're going to fly up the league because quite frankly there's too many players in that Derby side who aren't performing at the moment and it's a team game That that is such
1: a good point because we've all got pretty swept up in it and the club have done a really good job on on Rooney Mania as you would totally expect them to but we can't we can't rely on him we can it's it's a bit depressing when you actually think about it how much we could be relying on him because Tom's got it bang on like we we've got what three or four players who aren't doing it this season and
2: that's the bigger issue well that's the hope is that he can drive those standards people talk about players like him players like david beckham even cristiano ronaldo their their work rate their application on the training field Um, If if someone like Wayne Rooney at the end of his career comes to Derby County and he's working hard and he's last one in the training ground, both coaching and playing, it will rub off not just on the senior pros but definitely on on the younger players. We've got a lot of them coming through supposedly. I feel like he could. I think he'll have a decent impact on the pitch, but I'm really hoping that his his broader impact will be more around the club and lifting other people's standards to come to him. You know, if, if if Jack Marriott has got a training ground problem or doesn't put the work in, doesn't prove himself, then if Wayne Rooney really can't set the standard for him to follow, then no one else will be.
1: I'm like so excited about how he might affect the youngsters. Players like Sibley and yeah. Whitaker, Buchanan and Knight. Like 10 years ago, when Rooney was tearing it up, scoring 30 in a season for Man United, they were like kids, literally kids in the playground, like pretending to be him with his poster on their wall. I mean, even players like Lawrence, who's in his mid-20s, probably idolized Rooney 10 years ago oh. it's it's so exciting the potential that he could unlock in our players I just really hope it comes off because that's what that's the gamble the club have taken basically
2: and merchandise sales yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you got your Rooney 32 shirt yet Kutch I haven't I'd already invested in a in a Derby shirt this season but so maybe maybe the end of season sales it's never too late to get the name printed on the back <laughs> talking to other players so we Talked before
1: the break how we are missing five senior players that we started the season with. One of them, as we all know, isn't coming back in uh, Keo, Clark, Huddleston, Bielick, and Shinny. Uh, going back to the Fulham game, I just thought it was so obvious how much we miss Shinny in particular. The way that Fulham passed it around us, the amount of time they had on the ball in the middle—you just you know that Shinny would have tried his utmost to make sure that didn't happen. His main strength is going round, ratting people, kicking people, putting tackles in, like being physical. As we said, B-League was doing his best. He was carrying any of the threat we had there, but it didn't really look like it was working with that patched-up, mismatched midfield with, with Evans and Holmes sitting deep. But out of those five players, Tom, Keogh, Clark, Huddleston, Bielik and Shinny which one do you think we're
0: missing the most at the moment? That's actually quite a tricky question Um, I would possibly say Keo. interestingly just because I think of our weakness at centre back in general and I think him and Davis would be a bit more patched up or him and even Forsyth um, because I don't think Davis is in a great amount of form and um, is a bit shaky so certainly a centre back um I think maybe Keogh, uh might be the one that we're missing the most, just to, to provide that
2: bit of balance at the back. I feel like it's unfair to put Keo on that list because he's gone. You know, he's not coming back. Mm. So if you took Keo up that list, I'd say uh, Shinny, because he was starting to show something, I think he could become a definitely like a 40-game a uh, season for him. But Clark, because again, Clark was just starting to maybe find some form with Davis. And we talked a lot about that centre-back partnership. And yeah, Forsyth came in, had a good game in his first one in. Uh, I'm not sure how he's been really in the last two games, but you know, I think a centre back partnership with Bielek in front of them. You know, uh, solidified and consistent would have make a big difference in this team. It's five players that would have almost, yeah. but almost certainly,
1: all started at
0: least twenty or thirty games. A season. I'll arguably, a whole midfield. Couldn't, can I just say, actually, disagreeing with you there, Chris. I actually think the person we missed the least is Huddleston. I don't see how he fits if with Shinny, Belick, Holmes, uh, etc. Fit with the potential of like sort of Sibley, etc. Coming through, Max Bird, as well as a as sort of backup to that. I don't see how Huddleston fits into that, and I'm. I, I've not really thought about Huddleston. Yes, I think Clark, I agree. And if you take Keo out of that, I think Clark is the person I would say we miss the most. Um and then yeah, then Bielick and Shinny quite comfortably ahead of um of Huddleston. I think Huddleston's the one that's a bit surplus for me. So I mean the the problem we've fallen into, Kutch, as we I'm sure
1: we had this discussion this time last season, is that basically no one in the current team is really playing well enough for more than one game. No one's putting a run together. Um other fans have talked about how there isn't really a first name on the team sheet. Maybe
2: Bogle, Maybe. probably, I guess. Bogle, b was starting to.
1: Yeah, he was starting to, but then he got injured. So no one's stringing together a run of games and form. If you look at the back four or, or, or the defence, Lowe and Forsyth, for example, were great against Preston. Um, How much credit do you have to give Craig Forsyth for coming back after, after a year out and putting in a hell of a shift as, as a makeshift centre-back? And... Max Lowe was, was. It's a
2: shame, it's a shame we would already recorded our team in a decade because maybe Fozzie could have been in, in the conversation for centre back.
1: Oh, no spoilers. <laughs> off a of centre back, yeah. And Lowe, was doing, Lowe did it right as well. But the game after, as we've said, Forsyth caught ball watching for one of the goals. Lowe seems to have a really difficult time against Camara, against Fulham. So no one's really doing it consistently. But with everyone fit, all those defenders fit and ready to play who who starts in the back five assuming we're playing four at the back
2: alright so currently i go Ben Hamer in girl go Bogle right back uh, Davis and Clark and uh, Max Lowe but I, I'd like to see Forsyth given the chance of left back as well you
1: are very much a Scott Malone hater aren't you not a hater but
2: you, you, you're you not exactly you in know, the yeah you know, love love don't hate Chris but uh, no I hate hate Malone <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I kind of was interested by the
0: inclusion of malone on saturday because i didn't think actually loaded that badly on on tuesday night i thought he was um i thought he did the best as he possibly could do against like a team which was pretty decent um and an attacking outlet who did tend to come down the right and he wasn't given too much help i feel that he was a bit scapegoated and malone did nothing for me on saturday to say yes he should keep his place against blackburn it's difficult to disagree with you kutch and the only way that i would disagree with you is i've really enjoyed seeing Andre Wisdom back uh, at right back on Saturday so could we then make it a, a back five and as, as we've already talked about having someone like Clark, Davis, uh, Wisdom, uh, Bogle right wing back and Maxlow left wing back that's the only thing I might change from you but I, I can't disagree I think Hamer needs to needs to be in goal on on Saturday uh, against Blackburn and we need to we need to sort of try and get some consistency at the back even if someone has a, a a little bit of a poor game. They just need just need to name the same back five for three, four, five games in the bounce.
1: Yeah, I just don't think we are good enough to play three at the back and wing backs. Uh Maybe we could get to it, but I, I guess I'd have to go with Hamer. Uh, and then despite me championing Bogle as a right winger, I'd say uh, Bogle, Davis, um, Clark and Lowe, I would say. I think there's a good player
2: in Max Lowe somewhere. And he showed glimpses. He shows it. He shows it enough, I think. He's better than Malone, let's put it that I yeah. think just just lastly on, on the back five, I, the only problem with uh, a Wisdom, Davis, Clark, back five is if you do have a back five, and one of those centre-backs has to be really good on the ball. Some of them are quite good. Matt Clark can be quite good. For me, if you play a back five, you'd probably play Bielek in the back five.
1: Goal of the month time before we uh, start to wrap things up for podcast 69. Another... Lean month, lean, lean, lean for yeah. Derby County goals. What, what
2: a season to start a monthly uh, month competition. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: massively regretting introducing this feature. Um The three we have chosen that we're going to whittle down. Tom Lawrence number one against Middlesbrough. That uh, cheeky little wall pass for Chris Martin. Then he fired low into the into the corner. Tom Lawrence two against Middlesbrough, where he gets out of Bogle. The middles were defence, just gave up basically, and then a yeah, uh, the keeper or uh, Martin Waghorn's free kick against QPR. Tom, what's the best goal of those three for you?
0: I mean, because I was there, I quite like Waghorn's free kick, but I think actually taking my uh, non-biased, being there, hat off. Um, I think the Lawrence first goal, I really like that. The interchange with Martin the edge of the box and the finish into the bottom corner. Because the defending wasn't bad, it was just a good goal. Um, and what I really liked about that, and we don't do enough, is the runs in behind the midfield and and the movement up front. And I think if we could do that more consistently, we'd be a really decent sort of side going forward.
1: I'm going to say Waggy's free kick, because uh, I've got a real penchant for a, uh, for a curled top, top bins free kick.
2: Um, I'm going to go with, uh, with Tom Lawrence, number one, against against millsborough because a bit a bit like i think when we chose the chris martin uh, equalizer against leeds this season at ellen road it was a great team goal and we haven't had much we haven't had much of that this season and it just like shows what this team is capable of doing like the goal against the chris martin scored against leeds was a brilliant like halfway line to the penalty box and a great finish and similarly, you know, Tom Lawrence interchange, Holmes is involved in that move as well. There's like a 1-2-3 with Chris Martin and then Tom Lawrence buried it and it was just a great, you know, it just showed what this team is capable of and we just do not see it enough. So I'm going to go with, with Tom Lawrence's goals. He's, he's been nominated every month, I think, and I think he may have won it twice now. I think so. He's like the Dennis Bergkamp from the mid-90s of, <laughs> similar, uh, of this similar. podcast.
0: It's, it's not difficult though when, as you say, we only score three or four goals a month. But actually all three of those goals are a decent goal so at least you're scoring good goals there you go Tom Lawrence wins it before we go got a question
1: for you both I am in an away ground what's the score 3-0 <laughs> <laughs> that away ground that away end holds around 2,000 fans in the away end where am I
0: Tom uh,
2: Griffin Park
1: Griffin Park is incorrect
2: catch Loftus Road
1: Loftus Road is incorrect. Derby County haven't played a competitive game here for fifteen one five years.
0: That's the two thousand four season touch. Adams Park.
1: Is incorrect. Oh, that's, well, that's the chairboy by the way. Lovely. Okay.
0: I, Tom. Kenilworth Road.
1: Kenilworth Road is incorrect. In a in a car, it takes under one hour to get to this ground from
2: Derby. Cut. London Road, Peterborough.
1: London Road, Peterborough
0: is incorrect. Oh. Tom, Port Vale, uh, Vale Park. Vale Park, Port Vale, Vale Park is. Port <laughs> Vale, Vale Park. Man. Incorrect.
1: Uh, clue number four. Derby County lost at this ground in 2003 in a game in which Fabrizio Ravanelli scored.
2: Cuts. It's Keatmote Stadium, Doncaster. Ravena never played that. Um, we, incorrect. we played them since as well.
1: Are we doing... Uh, I'm just, so pleased that I finally stumped Tom on a, on a are we, question. Are we
2: doing just the current grounds
0: or are they older grounds that no longer exist? The, I can confirm this is a currently existing ground. Fine. That's right. I mean, I just had to double check that. Uh, is it Sinsel Bank Lincoln? Lincoln is incorrect. In the same game, a home player
1: scored a hat-trick. And then the season after, the same player scored the winner at the same ground for Derby against this Tom side. cut.
0: Best got Stadium. Oh, Russell. he's done it. Junior, Junior.
1: Oh. <laughs> you were so close,
2: mate. You yeah, yeah, were so close. Wasn't, I wasn't going to say I wasn't going to say that. What were you going to say? Like Cardiff? I was going to say the Grimsby ground,
0: Blundell Park.
2: Blundell Park. I was thinking
0: Grimsby, but we <clears throat> played them obviously recently. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I went there um, and it was abandoned
1: <laughs> yeah Derby lost 3-2 then 2003
2: junior hat-trick oh, Ravinelli yeah. scored a free kick I'm that definitely game. I'm definitely more in the game on the where than I am on the who you're improving well, I, no, don't, I'm, I don't want to sound too massively patronizing I mean, but I, you're improving I'm actually very good <laughs> that was
1: a good one Chris I like that one my other clues were I am clearly visible from the M6 motorway junction no
2: isn't the m it's the M42 no it's definitely
1: the M6 the M6 so. Used to be on my patch. Um, <laughs> and I'm currently sponsored by a cask ale claiming to be the freshest pint in the Midlands. Thanks. yeah, Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we will return in a week's time because... I appreciate literally every media outlet in the entire world has done this already by now, but we are unveiling our Derby County Team of the Decade. I think we
2: did it first, though. We just haven't announced it yet.
1: And that's the real quiz. Yeah. We recorded that a month ago, so if anything, we did it first.
2: Yeah. We actually we- recorded it about four years ago.
1: <laughs> Had it in the bag since 2015. It's going to write off the second part of the decade. So that will be out on Monday December the 9th and we we'll are back after Millwall on the 15th but uh, wish us luck in the awards give us a follow on social on uh, Facebook Twitter at Steve Boomerplod and In Steven Plod <laughs> and uh, Instagram where we're going to be dropping a little uh, we'll drop a little Instagram story about uh, our glitzy night out at that there Tower of London uh, but Richard thank you that's right win or lose on the booze at the awards as they say thanks for the haggis Tom thanks for your hospitality as always yeah all the best Chris thanks see you in a couple of weeks we